Hey everyone, welcome to the Land of Hope podcast. Come with us this week as we plant our feet in the Land of Hope. Um, but truly, even um, as Eleanor said, like, man, I would go to, you know, as a pastor, it's like, you want to be able to enjoy going to the church you pastor. And um, I was here thinking, I would come to this church. Like, I want to be here. And um, you guys are so blessed to have Eleanor and Amos as your pastors. We got to sit down with them on Friday night for a little bit and to hear their heart for you and hope in the community was so encouraging to me. I just, they don't even know this, but I sat back just like in awe of how invested they are and how much they love you guys and what um, the excitement and the vision for what God is doing here in hope. Um, and I call Eleanor my pastor. We started getting together <laughs> this last year once a month, and I'm like, I need my appointment with my pastor, Eleanor. Um, so truly, truly, you guys um, are so blessed to have these guys leading you, and um, I am excited to be here with you today. I, I do believe that God has given me um, a word for you. Um, I have been praying about this for the last couple of weeks, and um, it's interesting because even Friday night as I was listening to them, I kind of actually started feeling like, oh, maybe I got it wrong. <laughs> um, and I wrestled all night with it. Um, and I just really felt the Lord um, confirm in me that, that, that someone needs to hear this word today. And so I'm going to be obedient to that. Uh, but before we start, let's just pray. Father, you are so good. Lord, we thank you for your word that is alive, that is breathing God, that is sharper than any two-edged sword. And this morning, as we read your word, Lord, we invite you to speak, to encourage, to correct, to transform, because that is what your word does. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to move this morning. Let our ears be open and our hearts be open to receive your truth. Amen. Well, we are going to just get right into it. Dive into um, John chapter 8. Uh, but, but before we get into chapter 8, I want to give just a little bit of context of what has been happening. Um, I know you guys have been going through the book of Acts, which is pretty incredible. I love that. I'm going to go back and listen to those messages. Uh, but we see in John up until this point that Jesus is pretty much a traveling evangelist at this time. He's been going all throughout the region, um, teaching, healing, miracles are happening all around him. And in chapter 7... It is the time for the Festival of the Tabernacles. I will leave Eleanor to preach about that at some point. Um, but it's this very important time for the Jewish people where they remember the Israelites that were in the wilderness. They remember and celebrate and offer burnt offerings. And here is Jesus with his brothers. His brothers are saying, come on, Jesus, let's go. And Jesus is saying, no, my time has not yet come. Uh, he knew that if he was to put himself right there too soon, things would begin to happen because there were people that were against him and against his teaching, and they were trying to catch him. Um, and so what happens is his brothers go, and a few days later, it is his time to go. And he ninja styles it secretly, three days at least, to get to this festival. And he spends his time there ministering, teaching, 
You find him in the temple. And again, opposition, accusations. It's a beautiful chapter. I encourage you to read chapter 7 this week. Um, because going into chapter 8, the last verse of chapter 7 says, And everyone went home. And then we go into chapter 8, and it says, And Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And I think it's so profound that this chapter starts out that way because here Jesus was a week of ministry, a week of teaching, a week of pouring out, a week of getting hit, a week of, you know, hiding and, and trying to get away from the people that are trying to attack him. And what does he know he needs to do? He needs to go and be with the Father. So before he starts again, the next morning, he goes and he spends time with the Father. And then he comes and in verse 2 we see... Um, John chapter 8, verse 2, says this. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. Amen. Here Jesus is placing himself once again in a place that he is already aware of is going to come accusation. So he's sitting there. And all of a sudden, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. It's interesting that they call him teacher because teacher is reserved for honor and respect. So that right there tells us they are mocking him. Jesus already knew that this was not some sort of opportunity that they wanted truly to know a teaching moment. But no, they went into this as a trap. They had already disregarded the law. They themselves were breaking the law by not bringing the man and the woman. Uh, so we see that here they are, just ready to go at it, thinking, this is it. We're going to trap Jesus. So it wasn't even so much about the woman at this point. It was about, we want to trap Jesus. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. We see that Jesus had so much restraint here. I mean, I have to think like, okay, him bending down on the ground writing, is it like count to 10, take deep breaths, you know, all this is happening right now. Any one of us would probably, you know, want to punch the, the dudes, right? And, and we see Jesus taking the time. We have no idea what he was writing. Verse 9, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first. And so Jesus was left with the woman. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Amen. See, at this point, no one could argue with Jesus. They could not deny their own sin in this moment. And when I... Um, had first started prepping this message, you know, it, it was more coming from the accusers, right? After I sat down with these guys and started wrestling with if this message was the right message or not, I so clearly heard the Lord tell me. Because what I, what I heard from these guys is that hope has a very special unity. 
Hope is a family. There isn't stones being thrown at one another. But what I heard the Lord whisper was that there are people in the family of hope that are still living as though they are accused. And then instead of throwing the stones at others, they're throwing them at themselves. And that he wants to free you from that today. I believe that some of you might be able to identify with this woman, maybe not as an adulterer. But maybe you've been falsely or rightly accused, possibly living in that self-sabotage, self-accusations, and unknowingly have collected stones. Put them in your pocket. Stones that maybe other people threw down. Maybe stones that people had and said, no, I'm not going to throw it. But we pick it up and we put it in our pocket. And it begins to weigh us down. Or maybe we have these stones in front of us and we trip. And it's an opportunity for God to lift us back up. But instead, we build those stones back up as a wall. And as we continue in this pattern of thinking and this pattern of, of accusations, before we know it, we have, we're weighed down by these stones and we have walls in front of us. And we're afraid that if we get caught, we're afraid that if people really know us, then we might be abandoned and we might be rejected. So we keep those stones. We keep them next to us to protect us. But no matter where we stand today, Jesus is saying, who's condemning you? Being caught in adultery was and still is highly shameful. Uh, whether a person is a Jesus follower or not, right? The pain of adultery is hard to swallow. We see that Jesus used a situation that would translate through Thousands of generations, cultures, and worldviews to reveal this one truth. In him, there is no condemnation. Amen. Jesus paid for our punishment. He made us right with God. The accusers in this scene couldn't stay in that proximity of Jesus and this woman because their eyes were taken away from, their, from her sin and placed on their own sin. This is a very powerful scene. This woman who was dragged from this place, possibly sexual assault. We know for sure physical assault and emotional assault because of how she was brought to Jesus. Screamed at, ridiculed at, standing there as a woman in this custom to even be in a public place in this state with men. I mean, it, women weren't even allowed to speak to men in public. And here she is in this state. The level of embarrassment and shame that she was feeling. But here she is. All the people have left and she's standing with Jesus. Imagine if that was you. Imagine that you are being ripped from the most shameful parts of your life, put in a public place, accusations thrown at you, and then you're standing alone with Jesus. Hurt, embarrassed, angry, thinking you're going to die, 
And Jesus says, who is condemning you? Who are your accusers? I think sometimes we need to be reminded that nobody else carries our issues like we do. So often we will keep those things upon us. And we can learn from this woman. She could have said, well, they left, but they'll be back. I know they will. They're going to come back for me. This isn't it. She could have denied the act. She could have gave excuses. She could have tried to explain the actual situation. But instead, she chose to receive the gift that Jesus was giving her. She chose to receive that he was saving her in that moment. Not just in the moment, but her future. She did not have to live a life of shame. Because he was freeing her in that moment. So I ask you this morning, who condemns you? There is power in receiving the gift of Jesus saying, no one condemns me. I can receive this truth. Jesus is saying, go and move forward. Go and discover new life without sin, without these stones. We have a choice to pick up the stones that others left and stone ourselves, or the choice to receive the rescue mission that Jesus gave us. We get to see in this passage how Jesus handles accusations. His character that is seen throughout the entire New Testament and God's character in the Old Testament and that is this, forgiveness and compassion. We get to have forgiveness and compassion for ourselves. And I, I think if we're honest, there are moments where we can identify with the accuser and the accused. Are you an accuser? Who are you accusing? Is it your place to accuse? How have you let someone else's sin dictate your view of Jesus? See, in this moment, these people did not see Jesus because they were focused on law. And when we are distracted by the sin around us and we put the sin in front of Jesus, then we don't get to see who Jesus really is. We are viewing him through sin. But when they were faced with the truth, when they were faced with the reality of their own stuff, they could no longer accuse. Jesus teaches us how to respond. Remember back in verse 1 when he went to the Mount of Olives. That's the number one thing right there, is are we spending time with the Father? He prepared himself because he knew accusations were going to come. And friends, accusations are going to come. If, if you're not living in a, a world where you have accusations that are coming at you or that you're not battling with accusations yourself, I want to live with you on cloud nine. Like, <laughs> seriously, this is the world we live in. And Jesus made it very clear that we will face accusations. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and sober mind, for your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to be ready, to devour. <laughs> and we need to be ready for that. We need to learn how to respond like Jesus did, 
for ourselves and for others. He was slow to respond. He bent down. He breathed. He wrote what he wrote. He asked questions. He chose compassion. He protected. And he put on the people self-examination. Psalms 139.23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And that is what Jesus does. This woman thought her life was over. She was expecting the stones, a brutal death. All eyes were on her. And suddenly, as Jesus began speaking, the eyes were no longer on her they turned to self. And some of us, I have to believe, wrestle with sin that was done to us. You know, maybe, maybe you're the wife of, or the husband of, or the daughter of, or the friend of, or the sister of, the parent of. Can I be bold to say, it's time to be free. It's no longer about the sin that was done to us. It's about what are we going to do? Will we choose to give it to Jesus, to stay with Jesus? Time and time again, we see that Jesus covers what is uncovered. Here, this woman was dragged from this place. It was not Jesus' intention for her to be um, ridiculed in that moment, to be, have to deal with the shame and the embarrassment. But what he did was took what was in the dark, took the sin, and he brought his light into it. He inserted himself into that place. We get to walk in the freedom because of what Jesus did. There is no condemnation. Romans 8, 1 through 4 says, there, there, Therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of the sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So again, my question, what accusations are you not letting go of? What sin are you still walking in shame? What darkness are we allowing to control us? Because Jesus came to free. A little bit further in chapter 8, verse 36, he says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I'm convinced that a lot of times we can't move on from our sin issues because we identify with it. We've got those stones in our pockets. We've picked them up. We've built our walls. We see ourselves in the eyes of the accuser. We see ourselves in the eyes of the past. And Jesus is saying, enough. Let's put the stone down. Let's stop beating ourselves up. And what we often find is that maybe if we're quick to accuse, it's actually because we are still living in our own accusations. It's easier to see other people's stuff and not address our own. It makes us feel a little bit better. But Jesus is saying, let's lay the stones down. So no matter if you've picked up your stones or you're ready to throw stones at someone else, Jesus is asking us to throw them down. We can build a bridge with the stones. We can let God do what he promised to do. 
miraculously inserting himself in the middle of the junk in our lives so that we can be transformed and we can walk into redemption with him. He purposely put himself in this situation. He purposely knew accusations were going to come and he would get to execute his plan for this woman, this rescue plan that is here for you and I. See, only two people have the power to condemn us, God and ourselves. Our maker, our maker who has conquered sin and death and has invited us to receive his grace, which says, I do not condemn you. He's saying we can release those stones. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you would, just close your eyes. And I want you to just take a moment and ask the Lord if you're carrying any stones, whether they're stones for yourself or stones for other people. And just imagine them in your fist. Jesus is asking us today if we will open our fists and release the stones. And he says to us, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And we can say, no one has condemned us. And Jesus says, then neither do I. Go now and leave your life of sin. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have done for us so that we do not have to live as condemned people, but Lord, we can live as free people. And I just ask that for my brothers and sisters here today, God, that whatever they are wrestling with, whatever stones they may have picked up, whatever things that might have been hidden in the dark places, Lord, that they would recognize that you have so much more for them, that you would desire for them to be free, that you desire for them to live the fulfillment fulfillment that you have for them, but they, we are the ones that put those stones there, that block us from receiving your truth. So Lord, today we release those stones and we ask and we invite you, Jesus, to help us receive this life without condemnation, to be completely free in you, to walk in your redemption because that is what you have for us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hi, thanks for tuning in today. If anything that you heard moved you or touched you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. So please head on over to discoverhope.org connect and connect with us. And if you'd like to support the podcast or even sponsor the podcast, just head on over to discoverhope.org giving. Thanks.